prayer. You know, for many people, prayer is something we use well when we need something for ourselves. And prayer, but we understand prayer is more than that. So in our study, which is how to, how to love our neighbor, we're going to talk today about prayer, praying for our neighbors. Welcome to the Bible Studies for Life adult podcast. This is hosted each week by Chris Johnson and myself, Lynn Pryor. Chris, good to see you again for another podcast. Hey, thank you, man. And we have with us today, Amber Vaden. Uh, she is participating in our uh, podcast. Amber is a uh, content editor for Bible Studies for Life. Tell, uh, hi, Amber. Hey, Chris. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Tell these folks a little bit about the product that you work on. Oh, sure. Uh, so the Daily Discipleship Guide is a resource that includes uh, a weekly Bible study for your group, uh, your group meeting Bible study, but it also is 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 included with five daily disciple five daily devotions uh, that kind of continue on what what you were studying to really kind of uh, learn how to apply it and spend a little time in that area. Um, so it has uh, daily devotions in addition to your weekly Bible study curriculum. Well, we appreciate you and thank you for being a part of our podcast today. It's always fun talking to you. You were with us a few weeks ago. And thanks for being with us again today. So uh, we're going to talk about uh, the study that we're in is a how-to. Uh, sometime back, the three of us and some of our partners in ministry, we work on developing outlines for Bible studies. And several years ago, one of our, one of our colleagues uh, encouraged us to maybe look at uh, a series of how-to studies. And so um, this is one that evolved out of those kind of conversations. We want to provide some very practical helps to help you to know how, how to love your neighbor. And I have to confess to you, I would have never thought of, of prayer in, in that mix. I think Lynn is the one that brought this to us and, and suggested the first Timothy passage that we're going to look at together. And uh, I think it works. So I think it's very practical and helpful. One of the questions that we ask at the beginning um, of our sessions, uh, an icebreaker question, is uh, when have you seen hours of training and hard work pay off? What are some examples of that, guys? Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is um, training for a particular um, job or, or industry because, uh, you know, you see, gosh, there's so many, so many things available now that require uh, so many jobs that will require some sort of training or formal education, even separate from like a college degree. But um, I, I don't know, I have a, a friend who recently completed um, a boot camp for coding. And, uh, and I, you know, I'm like, oh gosh, they are setting themselves up to just land a great job. And so I think there's some, <laughs> you know, there's some uh, training there that is just valuable. My wife and I were in a restaurant last night and we bumped into a lady, a, a friend who told us that she was finishing a degree. And, uh, we, you know, we asked about where and what it was. And she was like, well, you know, I just always, wanted to finish my college degree. And so it's, it's really probably not going to help me as far as jobs concerned, but I'm going to be able to knock that off my, my bucket list. I finished my degree in our groups. We're going to, people are going to talk about um, training for um, physical training for like a marathon. Uh, people are going to talk about uh, maybe weight loss or some kind of, of 
exercise regimen that they've been on. Um, I, I, I think uh, getting out of debt is something that is kind of like, this is something I've set a goal, I've worked toward it. And so that may be something that, that comes up in a conversation as well. And what we're leaning toward here is that training has value. Uh, we're going to see that if we're going to carry out the Lord's commandment, that we're to love other people, we really have to be trained by the Holy Spirit. And one of the ways the Holy Spirit's going to grow us and train us and shape us is it's through prayer. So what we're going to need to learn is we need to learn to pray for others by building. It's building us some spiritual skills and strength we need really to love like Jesus loves. For us to discuss this and, and think about this, we're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, we're going to begin verse 1. And uh, Chris, Amber, uh, I'm going to read just four verses here, and then I'm going to turn it over to you all to help us unpack this passage. Paul wrote, First of all, then, I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. And this is good, and it pleases God our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. So I love this passage that we that we chose this passage because it's like, okay, first of all, make this your priority. Pray for everyone. It, I mean, it's just like in black and white, really, really clear. This is what we're to be about as God's people. And this is something that we can do for others not just me, like what you talked about earlier, Lynn, but that we can pray for other people for a wide variety of purposes and reasons. And this is, this is the verse, and you'll hear some people ask about this, where it says, pray for uh, those in authority, like our um, civil and government leaders. Uh, and, and so this is a it really is, like you said, just a, it is not optional part of being a Christian. We are called to pray. We're called to pray for vast groups of people, not just the people that we see each day. I love people who get this and it's just a natural part of their lives. Uh, my wife and I lived in the same place for over 20 years and our, our neighbors, uh, Charlie and Eula, uh, have just become precious people to us. But occasionally in our conversations, Eula will uh will remind me uh i i pray for you every night and and so she's just taken to heart what she knows that she's supposed to do because this is what the bible teaches it's powerful right like that when someone says that it um it means something and you think about it from the perspective of someone cares enough about me to take my needs, to take my name before the throne of the God of the universe. Uh, to me, it really is a good act, great act of love. You know, sometimes we, we pray for our neighbors, uh, almost kind of imprecatory prayers because they're annoying us. But that's not what <laughs> and, and sometimes that's probably her prayers for me. <laughs> oh, oh, God, please lead him to mow his yard. Praying for our neighbors for their well-being, for and certainly for their spiritual well-being. Uh, well, I need to share Christ with my neighbor, but I don't know how to do that. Well, you can certainly begin by praying for them. Uh, what a what a great way to start! Because as we pray for them, our hearts will also change toward them. Uh, that we really do. Uh, the prayer becomes very sincere on our part. The more we pray for them, 
And we really develop a heart for them. And God will open those doors through our prayers for us to share Christ with our neighbors, whoever they are. So our lesson I did a good job of kind of explaining the different words that Paul used for prayer. And they, these are these could be interchangeable, but they're they have they have different different meanings as well. And so that could come up in uh, as a part of your conversation. But listen, he Paul says this make this first priority. Pray for everyone. And then he ends with this pleases God who wants everybody to be saved. It's, this is a cool passage. It's such a ministry. Like it's a, it's a ministry we're called to. Yeah. To me, it's the easiest ministry we're called to. And it's the hardest ministry we're called to. It's so easy because you can just, you be driving down the road and you can engage in this ministry of praying for others. But it's so hard because I think because it's so easy, it's, I forget about it. Uh, I just, I'll do that another time. And we get so distracted by other things. It's easy for me to do, uh, to, to be distracted. Yeah. What a privilege it is to be able to pray for folks. So one of the questions that we ask is what are, what are some of the hindrances or what keeps you, uh, from a daily prayer or regular prayer and another question, another way to ask the same thing is to what are some practices that will help you in the discipline of prayer? So those are good, good discussion questions to uh, prompt our groups to talk about some of those kind of issues that you just raised, Lynn. And as we see here uh, in verse four about rejoining our, our prayers with the heart of God, because he wants everyone to be saved and come to a knowledge of truth. And then when you come to verse five, uh, what I see here is a sense that we should pray for our neighbors that they would recognize that Jesus is the only way to salvation. Paul said in verse five, for there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, a testimony at the proper time. Paul has just inserted, the, as he's talking about this prayer, this reminder here that uh, the God who wants all people to be saved, he's one God. And he's provided that mediator who is Jesus Christ. That I know that passage. You know, I, I know I probably from theological training that there's one mediator, Christ Jesus, and, and that this is where that passage came. I, I don't know that I've ever connected the dots to uh, verses one and four that say, pray for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> this is God's, this pleases God. This is what he wants to do. He wants everybody to be saved. Uh, but this is an important theological um, foundation for us to know that th this is why Jesus came. Uh, he, he's, he's, he's the one who connects us uh, to God. He is, he is the one who is our mediator and makes it possible for us to be able to know God. And, you know, for, for those who are far from God, it, it, it isn't always super clear uh, how to come to know Christ and what that really means and how to read the Bible. And so that's where we, where we come in. Uh, I think that's where the Lord places us in people's lives to be able to have that um, opportunity to, to pray for them, first of all, and then to really pray for their salvation. And point them to Jesus, who is the one who makes it possible for us to come to God. We are good in our Bible study groups of, 
having a prayer time, uh, which I certainly applaud. But what we always, almost always do in our prayer times, when, hey, God, what are some prayer requests you have in our group? People will start to share, but it's always about illnesses, sicknesses. Hey, so-and-so is having surgery on Tuesday. And I'm not dismissing praying for those things. But when we think about prayer, we think about our neighbors. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's recovering from this. We need to pray for his, his rehabilitation. That's fine. But let's also make a very concerted effort to think about people. What were your prayer requests? Who do you know that needs salvation? Who of your neighbors? Who of your friends, your coworkers? And to be praying specifically for them and specifically related to, related to their salvation. To, to make that discovery, Jesus is my only way to salvation. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that there, and there might be, so for group leaders, leading your group to pray for those who are lost is um, a, a huge, a huge goal. Um, it might need some sensitivity because perhaps people in your group know those folks or know their family. It just depends on how big your city is. <laughs> uh, and so sometimes you can use names, but even if uh, I think it's okay, even if you don't use names uh, in your group, if you, if you have a, um, a prayer time for those who don't know Christ, it, just let it be okay that they don't share names sometimes because that can get uh, a little bit, um, well, just sensitive. <laughs> I don't know another way to say it. The other side of that is when God answers that prayer or those prayers and yeah. we see family members and friends come to know the Lord, um, that, that can rock a church in a really positive way. That's <laughs> where, true. That's where, true where we see the power of God and, and we can talk about the fact, oh man, I've been praying for this to happen. I've been praying for this guy. Uh, I've been praying for her, for her husband. And, and then when it happens, um, it's a celebration. I'm in a men's group that uh, has been walking through First Timothy. And when we came to this passage about praying for others and praying for their salvation, uh, we pointed out also, we went to first, first John chapter five, where it says, when we pray in accordance with God's will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know that we have what we asked. He says, so here in first Timothy two, we see it's God's will. It's God's desire for all people to be saved. So if we take an individual and pray for them in accordance with God's will uh, and, and pray, you know, just pray earnestly for that individual, we're, we're praying in a line with the God's will that he'd be saved. So we took it upon ourselves. Uh, we, I kind of laughed says, let's just make this an experiment. And we chose one man. Uh, and all I know, all I know, his name is Robert. That's all I know. In fact, most of the people in the group, that's all they know his first name uh, because his wife goes to the church and we're making a concerted effort to pray for his salvation in accordance with God's will, because God's will, as we see in First Timothy 2, he desires all men to come to the, uh, the knowledge of the truth. So we're, we're still in this experiment. We, uh, we haven't seen the results, but we're making a concerted effort to pray for this man. That is a great story. I've, I've, I've told you guys before, and I've probably talked about it on this podcast, that when I was pastor in Eastern Kentucky, there was a, a lady who came to church all the time. Her husband didn't, and he... Um, Suddenly, he made that decision to follow Christ, and uh, I, I'll never forget one, a guy from another church came to our church when he heard about this, and as he was leaving the building that night, he said, "I've been praying for Joe for forty years," 
And when that kind of thing happens, man, I'm telling you, it rocks a church in a great way. Well, we come to verse seven, verses seven and eight, uh, as we're praying for our neighbors, the, the call here, what we want to connect this whole thing to prayer is praying with the right attitude. Verse seven, Paul said, for this, I was appointed a herald, an apostle. I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying. And as a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth, therefore, I want the men in every place to play, pray, but lifting up holy hands without anger or argument. And there he's coming again back to this idea of praying. But when we pray, we pray with lifting up holy hands, a sense of that right attitude, no anger, no arguments, but just a sense of God uh, and submission and holiness to you. Yeah, I feel like Paul here just puts the gospel front and center and kind of continues to remind his readers and, of course, us now that we get to read this, uh, what is of primary importance um, and then also connects that to how we pray um, and to do so uh, with hearts that are free from, you know, any disunity and dissension. We have a couple of questions here. At the, at the close of this session to help people to think about as an individual, how can, how can I be more effective in praying for the salvation of others? And um, so it's always helped me. This is one of those places where it's helped me to have a prayer list where that person's name is, is in front of me. And it's a, it's a constant reminder to pray for someone who's not a Christian. Lynn, you mentioned Bob, who you and your group are praying for. That, that's something that I hope I'm imagining that every week when, or every, every time you get together as a group, you talk about uh, Bob and you pray for Bob. So those are some, th that would be an example of what a group can do um, in praying for the, for the salvation of someone else. Yeah, I've seen that done. I've been in a group where we did that. We kept literally the same little notebook it, every single week. We went back and looked at what we prayed the week before. And um, obviously some of those requests took weeks or months and then you see it and then you have a record of it. And it's, um, it's just the neatest thing just to see God work that way. I hope there's been some good suggestions for you as your group meets this week and talk about this, some ways that y'all can be praying for your neighbors, praying together for your neighbors, some practical ideas. We do hope and pray that you have a great Bible study, and we look forward to being with you next week. <music>